0: Unto Thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul unto Thee, O Lord.
1: Good morning to everyone. Good morning. Welcome you to our worship service this morning. We're glad you're here. We have visitors with us today. We want you to know you have a special welcome to come and worship with us each time we meet. Uh, you see some empty pews around this morning because of the family uh, retreat they had over the weekend. Uh, the number that came to me last night, uh, been there yesterday was 70. So that's a big, big group of folks. So um, got good reports from how it went this weekend. I know they all enjoyed it. Uh, The group had a really good outing and I know that uh, when they come back, they're gonna be really excited to be back with us. As we prepare to enter the worship service, let us pray, please. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the day you blessed us with. We're so thankful for the opportunity we had to worship this morning. We're thankful for each one that's here today. We pray, Father, that from being here today that we can grow spiritually. We pray that we can give our full attention to the worship service. We pray for those that are in leadership always this morning. Pray especially for Ken as he brings the lesson to us. We pray that, Father, we can take it and use it to be a better Christian and, and grow as we go forward. And Father, we pray for the group that will be traveling back today. We pray that they'll be safe as they come back and be with us. Father, we pray for uh, sick folks that we know of, particularly Brother Don Dawson. We pray for him and his family at this particular time that you give them strength and comfort. Now, Father, let us continue to in this service and we thank you for all the blessings we have for in jesus name we pray amen
2: good morning as uh, we uh, start this morning off in worship let's sing a song and praise our lord praise him praise him number three hundred Praise him praise, praise him. him Jesus our lord
3: wanted to give an update on our fifth Sunday contribution for our mission work and that amount was thirty three thousand six hundred and ten dollars so thank you so much for your giving your generosity toward this fine work if you would please bow with me our most gracious and loving father we bow with grateful hearts this morning father just grateful for this opportunity to assemble together to be united in our faith as we worship you today. Fathers, we sing praises to you as we petition thee in prayer, as we join in the communion of the bread and the cup, which represents the Lord's Supper. Father, we just pray that we will glorify you. Father, we pray for our changing world. Help us to meditate on the words of and message of Brother Jones, Father, that we can overcome evil with good. We're so thankful for scripture, Father, that reminds us that if your people call by your name, we'll humble ourselves, we will pray, we will seek your face and turn from our evil ways that you will hear us from heaven and heal our land. That's our prayer today, Father. Help us just to realize, Father, that the most powerful man in the whole wide world cannot forgive one single sin. It's only through the atonement of your Son's blood that our sins can be washed away. Father, we love you and all that we do this morning. Father, we mindful of all those that we remember in prayer, Bridget Williams, Don Dawson, Luther Mormon, Glenn Newton, Charlene Sipes, Margie Bray, Dawson Trout, Jeremy Owens, the family of Wade Davis. Those, Father, who are having treatments, those who are rehabilitating in other places, Father, and those who are incarcerated in different institutions, Father, we just pray that we'll reach out to them and tell them we love them and support them in the, any way we can. Father, we just pray that you'll be with us today in our worship and help us to always remember the power of forgiveness. We love you. In Christ's name
2: we pray. Amen. The song of invitation today will be Peace, Perfect Peace at the conclusion of the lesson. And before uh, the lesson, we'll sing number 189, Master, the Tempest is Raging. Mm-hmm. <coughs>
4: Master,
0: the dentist is raging, the wills are crossing high.
2: Scripture reading this morning will be taken from Psalms 51, verses 3 through 4. will be a reading of the King James Version today. For I acknowledge my transgressions, transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge.
4: Good morning, everyone. Okay, ladies, if you would take your arms like this, okay, and then just kind of stretch like this, okay? Now, I want you to notice what side your man is on you. Some of them were at the men's breakfast this morning, and there were biscuits like this big with gravy to go on top of them lots of carbs. Okay. And some of them against their will, will start dozing off because of the power of those carbs. So, you know, get ready. If you notice that happening, whichever side, just kind of give them a nudge and bring them back to our service. Will you do that? Thank you so much. Isn't that great? $33,610. Now, if someone wants to pitch in $390 today and earmark that for missions, you know, just to round it up, that would be fabulous. The mission team's meeting tomorrow. So come next Sunday, Lord willing, I'm gonna share with you what we've done with that money. It's the result of all of you coming together with a mind toward the mission that we have. And our mission here, that's basically overseen by this mission team and then endorsed by the eldership, has both a local and a worldwide component to it. So we'll be discussing some of those things and coming back to you very quickly to let you know what it is that you are able to do with that money. And I, I was so a long time ago, money reflects time. You pitched in money that most likely is the result of a job that you work or some other endeavor that you're involved in. And that represents time out of your life was used in order to produce those things. God gave you the blessing of it. But what you said was, okay, God's given me that. And he has a mission I want to be a part of. And I'm going to, as a good steward of God's, to contribute my part to that work. And the result is just, it's just outstanding. So thank you for the mind that you have for missions. We do have a large group of folks away from us today who are involved in a tremendous opportunity, encouraging one another, especially parents of our young people to encourage the young people, but also to commiserate, to share with one another maybe some of the experiences that they're having in raising their children and to receive good instruction about how to do that even better. So some of you maybe went and came back, others are expecting to come back tonight, but isn't it wonderful to be a part of a congregation that's very active, lots of opportunities to get together and. Just to be a part of a great work in the kingdom of God, it's taking place right here in our beloved Boonville. And then today we also think about Don Dawson. Don has been very ill already in and out of the hospital. And somehow through the process of all of that, maybe moving about, who knows how, but he's also contracted COVID and he's in critical condition in the hospital again. So we wanna pray together about these things as we begin today. And then I wanna tell you that the sermon is in conjunction with our series, Reaching Forward. Today, you and I are gonna do our best at least to plant the seed for reaching forward against guilt But before we start that, let's pray to our God. Our Father, thank you for giving us one more opportunity to be assembled here, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you for every soul that is a part of this function today. And we pray that you are truly glorified in all that we say and do. We thank you, Father, for the news of the contribution from last week. And Father, you know already the potential that lies in those monies. And that you can take the little that we have contributed and make it a source of Great work and purpose in your kingdom. So I pray, Father, that you'll be with those who are part of the team that makes these decisions about how to use it best. Pray that you'll give them wisdom and guidance and to be able to help us all as we have contributed contributed to this fund to know that we individually and as a body are contributing to a great work in your kingdom. We thank you, Father, for events like the men's breakfast today and the youth and family retreat for the event that we had last weekend with Brother Jones. We thank you, Father, for every opportunity that presents itself. And I pray, Father, that as we are able that we are making full use of it and that you are blessing us according to, according to the, the condition of our heart related to those events. We pray, Father, that you will be with Don Dawson, who is very critically ill. We, we do pray for his restoration, Father, but in all things, we relent to your will in these matters. We pray for Brenda and for their family as he's going through this time of illness. I ask, Father, that you will now be with us as we are trying to, the best we can, to reach forward. And today, as we think about our responsibility to reach forward against guilt, help us, Father, to be a people who recognize sin, who repent of that sin and who secure forgiveness for our sin. But Lord, not just in an academic sense, not just not just to say that that's what has happened, but to truly and deeply profoundly believe that those things are true. Lord, I pray that you'll help me to communicate that in the simple and understandable way today and I pray for those who are struggling today, you will help them to resolve those struggles in whatever way is appropriate. Thank you for the blessing of that and for what you'll do through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 51, is David's immediate response to Nathan the prophet's accusation and condemnation of David in his sin with Bathsheba and all of the accompanying predicaments that he had put himself in because of his sin. And this text in particular He said, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be just when you speak and blameless when you judge. In other words, Lord, you are always right. And this condemnation, this uncovering of my sin, this rebuke, it is right too. And I'm just not, I'm just not going to deny it. It is true. So I'm acknowledging my transgression. And I want you to know that the sin that I've committed, it is forefront. I can't think of anything else. Perhaps the deepest affliction of the soul is the heavy weight of guilt. Perhaps the greatest sense of sorrow and shame of pain to everybody to my life is a sense of guilt for sin that's been committed. Now, guilt is what results when I recognize or I acknowledge sin that I've committed or maybe even sin that I'm still involved in. And I recognize that I am in need of forgiveness. I feel guilt because I know I have or am committing sin and I need to be forgiven. I need to act on what I know that I've done wrong. I feel guilty because of it. Now, our series, Reaching Forward, draws out of a statement from Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Paul says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is no text that is a greater anthem for pressing forward and letting go of the past and aspiring for the things of God than this text. However, Guilt is one of those things that will continually hold us back. Even those who have received forgiveness, those who sought after forgiveness and received it, can themselves experience a sense of guilt because. Even though, as I said, academically, technically, in my mind, I can say, yeah, God's forgiven me. Still, there's the impact on my very psyche that says, I've committed such a heinous sin. I don't really know for sure if God's forgiven me. If you ask me, I might say yes, but that deep down part, that part that remembers what it did, that part still screams out from the depths. And so we have that question. And now, even though we should be high-stepping, reaching forward, we still have that which is pulling us back. Guilt for sin. Today, I, I want you to let go of that. I want you to truly reach forward against any guilt of the past. I want us to come away from here today believing in God's forgiveness, accepting God's forgiveness. And then let's go another step. Let's rejoice that we are forgiven. I want to begin by talking about the despair of guilt, the despair. Okay, so despair is that overriding sense of hopelessness. I have no hope because I'm still connected with my sin, and and that sin is dragging me down. The more it expresses itself in my thinking, Or maybe it's even impacting my behavior. The more that happens, the more hopeless I feel, the more entrenched in my sin I feel. And so I go through life in desperation. Judas was like that. Think about how blessed Judas had been. And aside from how his life ended, how many of us wouldn't have just taken the position that Judas was in as a close disciple of Jesus Christ. One of those that Jesus was investing everything in. His teaching, the evidence of the miraculous of God's being with him. of Being there in those moments when the confessions were made that Jesus is the son of God. Of even being a party to the moments that were leading up to his crucifixion. Seeing In his presence, the fulfillment of prophecy. But then there's the negative aspect, and that is that he would be a center point in the fulfillment of those prophecies. He would be the one who would betray the Lord, and he did that. He betrayed the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. You remember that moment? Maybe it's one you capture in your mind as you read through the scriptures. In Luke 22, verse 48 is the statement, but here they are face to face. Jesus, the son of God, the son of man, in the presence of his beloved disciple who is about in this moment within seconds to betray him. And he says in that text, in form of a question, are you going to betray the Son of Man with a kiss? It's practically unthinkable. I mean, a kiss is like the ultimate sign of affection. I love you. A a greeting uh, a, a, a sign that all is well, uh, I wish you the best. I mean, when we greet one another with a kiss, we we are opening ourselves up. And, and for that moment of betrayal to have been characterized by the very opposite of betrayal, the, the, a kiss itself, the, the moment of an expression of love is just, seriously, Judas? Are you going to betray me with a kiss? And so he does. But a short time passes. And I'm supposing that all of that time of fellowship with Jesus and contemplation over what has happened in the moment itself, the Bible says that he becomes remorseful and feels condemned. And so he takes the 30 pieces of silver. He's, he's, he's going to be like, hey, you know what? I just want to hit the reset button here. I, I messed up. And so he's going to give the money back to the chief priests and the elders. You know, I, I messed up. I, I have actually betrayed innocent blood. And they said, That's not our problem. You see to that. And so he does. He takes the money, he throws it out in the temple, and then simply the Bible says that he went out and he hanged himself. He felt guilty. But guilt was met with some other emotions. Maybe it was the thought of punishment. Yeah, you know, I, I was there. I saw it. I believe he's the son of God. What's going to happen to me? And those words ringing in his ears. Are, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? How could I? I've got to make this right. But He's rebuffed. Sometimes the emotion that is coupled with guilt is just a sense of worthlessness. What kind of person am I that I would behave this way? I mean, why don't I just point at him? Why don't I just say, hey, there's Jesus over there and just kind of hide in the crowd. Why don't I just slip him a note and remain anonymous? What is wrong with me? that I would sin in such a blatant and obvious way. Or, or maybe it's just the sense of rejection. You know, I just, I just kind of want to make this right. I messed up. If I could just back up, take it back. Hey, you know, let's, let's just go back to the way it was. I, I just, I can't believe that I acted this way. Take the money, give it back. Everything will be okay, but, but it wasn't. And they said, you know what, that's your problem, not ours. A lot of emotions came together that resulted in Judas saying, there is no hope for me. And he went out and he hanged himself. He ended his own life. I would tell you the same thing that I would have told Judas, even after he had betrayed the Lord. Even after he had been rebuffed by the chief priests and the scribes. Even after he came to a point of clarity and said, I I have messed up and boy, I deserve the worst punishment that can be put upon me. Whatever it is, I deserve it. Hey, Judas, don't listen to that. Satan wants you to believe that all is hopeless. Satan wants your feeling of guilt to be compounded with the belief that there is no turning back, there is no making this right, there is no forgiveness. Satan would take you the same way, and I I don't know what the affront may be. It may be something that you are hanging on to that happened 20 years ago or longer. And it still creeps up into your mind and you begin to think, that is something that is just unforgivable. Don't let Satan lie to you that way. The Apostle Paul was one of those folks, when we examine his early life, we would say, that guy's a scoundrel. I mean, he is the greatest enemy of the church. But in 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning verse 12, he says, And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord Jesus was exceedingly abundant in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. You can have everlasting life, but not by hanging on to the past, not by hanging on to sin that supposedly was forgiven, but that you won't let go. Don't let sin be complicated by other emotions to drive you into a place of despair and hopelessness. Don't be like Judas. Be like the Apostle Paul, who was reclaimed by the power of God. Or listen to this statement from Isaiah chapter 6. Now, in Isaiah 6, that's when King Isaiah died, and everybody's... In despair. It's hopeless. You know, the king's gone, and now we are going to be subject to the dictates of our enemies. But Isaiah is presented with the fact that God is still sitting on his throne. He's overwhelmed with the image that is presented to him. And so here's what he says in verse 5 Woe is me, for I'm undone, for I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of glory. I know what I am. I'm no good. I sin with my lips. I'm among a people who contribute to that. They do the same thing. We just feed off of one another. But it is not hopeless. In fact, the reality is that God's still on that throne. I have seen the King, the Lord of glory. I know that He is there. I know He reigns over it all. I have hope that despite we are, that we are as we are still, we can, with God on His throne, overcome. And as a result of that, one of the seraphim who, who guards the very throne of God comes and takes with a tongue one of the coals off of that altar and he touches the lips of Isaiah. And then they begin to wonder, well, we've got a job to do, who'll go do it? And it's in that moment that Isaiah, freed from the guilt and the despair that had been mounting up in him, cries out, here am I, send me. there's a lot of despair in hope or in guilt but I also want us to understand using this as a segue of the value even of guilt is that value of guilt yeah guilt remember was the acknowledgement that I've sinned and I'm in need of Forgiveness. So if I've sinned and I'm in need of forgiveness, if that sense of guilt prompts me to take action against that sin, then guilt has served its purpose in me. In fact, if I feel guilty and I have a knowledge of sin that I've committed, then that means that my conscience has at least been so instructed as to indicate when I've done what is wrong. I ought to rejoice in the fact to begin with that I do have guilt. Over sin, I've identified something that is wrong that needs to be corrected. Now, take again the circumstances leading up to the death of Jesus. Here's Simon Peter, the one who had declared his allegiance to Jesus, that he would die before he ever denied the Lord. And yet here he is three times denying the Lord. And Jesus dies on the cross. A heart filled with guilt and regret. Now on a boat. The Lord on the seashore. Cooking up some fish. Peter sees the Lord. But instead of waiting for the boat to reach the shore, he jumps out in the water and swims to Jesus. And Jesus begins his reclaiming work on Peter. Peter, do you love me? Agape love, do you care for me beyond everything else? Are you willing, as you had said, to give commitment to me, to die for me? Peter responds, I love you. You know I love you, phileo. I have affection for you. Wait, that isn't what Jesus questioned him. Peter, second, do you love me? Agape Undying love, are you willing to do anything for me? Would you truly die for me as you had said? Peter responds again, Phileo, Lord, you know I have affection for you. He just can't commit because there is shame. And there is a reproach even in that question. Lord, help me. At least you know I have affection for you. So the third time Jesus asks, okay, do you? (laughs) Do you have affection? He changed his word. And Peter now just overwhelmed with the moment. Lord, you know everything, and you know that I do. And so Jesus sends him off to feed the sheep. Question Did Peter accomplish that? (laughs) You know that he did. Lord, I stand before you. I am condemned in my sin. I, I denied you three times when I said I would have died for you. Do you love me, Peter? Do you really love me? Lord, as much as my heart could say it, you know that I care so much about you. But when you question whether I really care or not, I'm telling you, I'm going to come. I'm going to commit my life to you. I'm going to show you beyond the shadow of the doubt that I love you. I'm not the person that I was a few days ago. I'm not filled anymore with the guilt. I just want to be reconciled to you. And so what does Jesus do? He sends him to feed the sheep. Take care of my lambs, Peter. And Peter is that great preacher on the day of Pentecost among the other apostles who stands out and preaches forth the gospel the salvation that comes through obedience to Jesus Christ. Same thing happens a little bit later in the Cornelius episode where Peter is the one chosen to preach the gospel to the Gentiles for the first time. It was Peter who had been reclaimed. He lives through his guilt and it becomes a catalyst for reclamation in his own life. It wasn't the tragedy of Judas But it became one of the greatest stories of the Bible in the sense of a change of heart, of mind, of life, of a recommitment and dedication to the Lord. It takes that kind of move to go from guilt, which is necessary in identifying our sin, to being forgiven. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, Paul says, I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. In verse 10, he says that godless sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Now right there is a synopsis, a a demonstration of what was happening in the contrast between Judas and Peter. We both have guilt. We both feel bad. The text had said that Judas felt remorseful. I know I've done the wrong thing. I feel condemned in my sin. He felt sorry about it. But it wasn't a godly sorrow. It wasn't the kind of sorrow that said, I've done wrong. I'm sorry that I did that to you, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it right with you, Lord. I'm going to repent of this. I'm going to be restored into fellowship with you. Not that. Judas just went out and hanged himself. Peter, on the other hand, had godly sorrow. I'm sorry that I did that. He jumped out of a perfectly good boat in order to make it as quickly as he could to Jesus. And Jesus' challenges brought him back to what mattered the very most, to remind him of what his discipleship was supposed to be all about. God help us that if we have guilt in our lives, that it will truly be godly sorrow, And that that godly sorrow will lead to repentance. And that repentance will lead to our salvation. Okay, so we've seen a negative and a a positive, right? We've seen the despair that sometimes because of adding other emotions results in, in terrible things. We've also seen the value of guilt and and bringing us back, of, of helping us to recognize there's sin that needs to be dealt with. But what I want to share with you now is the ultimate power of the forgiveness that comes. The power of forgiveness. This is within the same text here. It's from Psalm 51 at verse 10. Create in me, A clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Okay, here's where I am, Lord. I have sinned against you. I acknowledge it. It's true. What I need for you to do is to clean all that out of me. The guilt, that place where my sin is always before me, Lord... Please, please clear the house. Let me be so aware, so, so, so believing in your forgiveness that it totally cleans out the house. I want to have a a clean heart, a, a pure spirit within me. You can create that for me. In fact, at verse 14, he says this, deliver me from the guilt. Now, in that context, he says the guilt of bloodshed. Of course, he's referencing the death of Uriah. But would you back up from that just a moment with me? Think about what he just said to start that. Deliver me from the guilt. I don't want to feel that guilt anymore. I know that I have sinned, I know that I need forgiveness. Lord give me forgiveness in response to this confession of my sin. I want to make a simple observation here. And I'll just I'll just be honest with you. This is something that I came to after a long time personally. So I grew up in a Christian home. And so did, my, so did my dad. He grew up in a Christian home. So my whole life, I've known nothing but the church. And let me add in there that I was the oldest child. So I'm the experiment. You know, your parents, I remember raising Drew. We didn't know if we were doing it right or not. So it seemed like we just... You know, we demanded a lot of things from him. We didn't want him making mistakes. That's how I felt when I was growing up. My parents were godly folks, and we went to church consistently every time an opportunity arose. And so I'm just going to tell you that I had a very strong sense of what is right and what is wrong. And even if my parents knew that I had done something wrong or not, didn't matter. I knew when I had done something wrong, and growing up in that time, I just had the sense that I've done wrong, and you know, just like we were talking about guilt, I know that I've done wrong, and I know God's going to punish me. And and listen, it was so strongly driven in me that even though, yeah, I would go through the process or the avenue for forgiveness. Still, there was always that agonizing thought in the back of my mind. This, Ken, this was terrible. This was terrible sin. You know know better than this. Whether it was an affront to my parents or something else, I've done wrong and I feel guilty for it. I feel guilty. Here's what I came to discover. Many people will tell you they are forgiven, but they go through life, I don't know, just not sure about it. If that's you, that's how I used to be. I'm not that way anymore. And here's why. It dawned on me that if I do believe that God holds me accountable for my sin and that he will punish me for it, if I believe that that's true because God says it's true, and it is true. Then I also need to believe God when he says that if I repent of it, I'll be forgiven. Just as much as I would believe God that I've committed sin, I'm going to be punished for it, I feel guilt, if I'm forgiven of that sin, I also ought to believe God that he forgave me. Believing in God's forgiveness is really believing in the awesome love of God. In Romans chapter 5, verses 6 and following, when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps... For a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves sinners. He wants to see them reclaimed. He wants to see them forgiven of their sins so that they can be reconciled to Him. That's God's whole thing. And He loves us. But what about the forgiveness of sin? Ken, is it really gone? It's been lingering these 20 or 30 years. I just still, I can't get it out of my... Let me tell you something about the love of God and about His ability to forgive. In Psalm 103 and verse 12, the scripture there says that God removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. Now, east goes infinity in one direction, and west goes infinity in the other direction. When God forgives the sin, it's gone. Infinity. Or Micah chapter 7 and verse 19. That says that God removes our sin, He takes it away, and He casts it into the depths of the sea. Now, I don't know how deep you can dive. <laughs> Maybe 10 feet and your ears start hurting. You know, there are trenches in the Pacific Ocean that are seven miles deep. God just tossed your sin out there. You, really? You're going to go retrieve that? No. God's gotten rid of it so far as He's concerned. In Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 34... That text says that he remembers it no more. In Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, he says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. When God forgives it, it's gone. Why would we hang on to that? Do we not believe God when He says that He forgives us? Do we not believe Him as much that way as we believe Him that we will be punished for our sin? Putting all that together is a statement from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9, 10, and 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Washed, sanctified, justified. Freed from that sin. No need to have guilt anymore. Over over terrible sins. Maybe you identified yourself in that list. I don't know. But he gives the remedy for it... Freedom from the guilt of sin. Be washed. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, we find out that Jesus, by his love, because he loved us so much, washed us from our sins in his own blood. When Saul of Tarsus was converted to Christianity in Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. He was told by Ananias to arise and be baptized, listen now, and wash away your sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. If your sins are washed away, why would you have guilt? It's forgiven by God. He's cast it into the depths of the ocean. He sent it as far as the east is from the west. You are sanctified. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who are not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You have received the mercy of God. You become a different person. Why? Because you've been freed from your sin. You've been forgiven. It's gone out into the depths of the sea. As far as the east is from the west, he remembers it no more. And justified. Romans chapter 5 verse 1, having been justified by faith, listen now, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When you obey the gospel, you have peace with God. Your sins are forgiven. No need to hold on to the sin of the past. No need to be worried with guilt. If we believe that God punishes sin, which creates the guilt, then we ought just as strongly to believe that God forgives us when we obey the gospel. Or as a child of God, when we repent of our sin, what does He do with it? He throws it into the depth of the sea. He gets it away from us as far as the east is from the west. He remembers it no more. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. What you and I ought to do is let go of the guilt of the past if we've been forgiven And reach forward against guilt. Now, if you're a child of God, you had your sins washed away. If you're hanging on to guilt, today will you assert this that you believe in God's forgiveness, that you accept His forgiveness. And then more than anything else, in the recognition of that, instead of being sad and guilt-ridden, that you'll rejoice in your forgiveness. Now, if you've committed sin and you're feeling the guilt of that, or you're in the middle of it now, what do you think you need to do? You need to repent. You shouldn't carry that with you, not one more step. In fact, what you do, you get the strength to carry it right down that aisle, and sit here, and we'll be praying over you, asking God's forgiveness. And then you know what? We let that thing go. Sometimes people are like, you know, I just, I would respond, but I'm afraid what people will say about me. Seriously, shame on anybody who would have anything to say except God be praised. All we remember is that angels in heaven rejoice. Why? Why? Because another soul has been freed from the guilt of sin. I can move forward now. And how much is the kingdom of God empowered by people who no longer have the guilt that they've been carrying? Trust that when God forgives you, it is gone. If you have sinned now, let's get rid of that, and it will be gone. If you're not a child of God today... The only thing that will remove that sin that you have, the guilt for sin, if your conscience so allowed it, is the blood of Jesus. That blood, just as we saw a moment ago, will wash your sins away. That'll happen here in a moment. It will be well nigh unto a miracle as we watch you go down in that water, a sinner. But when you rise up, you will be a pure child of God. What an amazing transformation! Is there anybody who needs to do that today? If you do, please come while there's yet time, while we stand together and sing.
0: Peace perfect peace in
2: sing the third verse of Tell Me the Story of Jesus. Let's sing. Tell me the story of Jesus.
5: Will bring it to you. As we come to this time in our worship, we come to a time of remembrance. As Jesus was approaching his death, he called his disciples together and told them that you'll need to remember the events that are about to take place, remember what happens. He used two examples that we still use today to help them to remember that He was going to the cross, that He was going to die, and He would be raised again. He used unleavened bread to represent the body of Jesus that was about to be sacrificed. And he used the fruit of the grape to represent the blood that was about to be shed. Even 2000 years later, we are commanded to come together on the first day of the week and to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. And we'll be doing that at this time. Would you pray with me? Our Father, as we partake of this, the unleavened bread, we pray that we will take it in a manner that's pleasing to you and that we will remember that Jesus didn't have to go to the cross, but the world changed because of the events of those days and help us to remember it today because it's it's the only way that we can have a hope of going to heaven with you someday. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's bow one more time. Our Father, as we are about to partake of the fruit of the vine, which to us as a Christian today represents the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross. And we know that we can never have remission of our sins unless Jesus shed his blood on the cross that day. Help us to remember the sacrifice he made for us. It's in his name we pray, amen.
6: Good morning. morning. Welcome to everyone, especially our visitors. Uh, 263 of us, but that, as was said earlier, we have a lot that are at other functions. Uh, Let's see, a few announcements. The uh, landmark nursing home devotional is at four o'clock today, and this is all on the bulletin. Visitation team members, please pick up your May assignments at the Visitor Center in the foyer. I am supposed to emphasize this one. Super Saturday meeting, there will be an interest meeting in the Little Chapel immediately following classes tonight for all who will serve as Super Saturday Bible School teachers or workers. That is tonight in the Little Chapel, and uh, I won't emphasize this one as much. The Golden Circle Luncheon is Tuesday 1130 in the Annex. Uh, let's see, okay. Senior Sunday is May 21st and I'll go ahead and mention them. That's Gibson Foster, Will Grisham, Braden Hannah, Sandra Holloway, Preston Owings, Arlena Rogers, Levi Swinney, and Kaylee Wilcutt. Uh, on that, um, what we're going to do, this is we kind of just decided this. We're going to have, last couple of years, we had ice cream socials. Well, that evening, there's already something going on in the annex. So that Sunday after service, that's May 21st, SALT Team 2 will be putting on a pizza social immediately following service. In the annex for our seniors in honor of them so salt team members if you would uh, bring some canned drinks uh, you can get with guy and Amelia or uh, Andrea or me if you have any questions that's salt two okay so hopefully that'll that'll work out so we had a little conflict of times okay our K through six will have a kickoff to summer celebration on Sunday night, June the 4th, following services. We will have a picnic and play at the park. Uh, Again, Guy and Amelia are the contacts for that. I have a card to read. Dear church family, in fear that we left any individuals out, we wanted to again Thank each and every one of you for the beautiful shower, food, gifts, and cards we have received. We are so thankful to have the support and blessings of our churches during this time. We've been attending worship at the Vicksburg Church of Christ. We are excited to worship and in fellowship with this congregation. We love you all and are thankful for all that you have done for us. Love. Love. Caleb and Molly Moody. So let's see, I believe, I'm sure I missed something, but I believe that's everything. So if we would, let's stand and we will be dismissed in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you've made it possible at this time for each and every one of us to be at this place However we got here, for whatever reason, we are here together this morning and we are learning of thy word and, and loving each other, Father. Father, we're so thankful for your powerful message brought to us this morning by Brother Ken. Father, we're so thankful for those that come forward and, and, and take advantage of, of the repentance that you, that you give to us. Father, we're so thankful for Tammy Mooney as she sets an example for each one of us to follow. Heavenly Father, every day that we live is so full of blessings. Heavenly Father, may we never look at them as anything else. And Heavenly Father, may we spread your word to all that we come in contact with. We love all. Father, you love us. And Father, none of this would be possible without your son, Jesus, as he came and died for each and every one of us. And it is in his sweet name we pray. Amen.